0: Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we we do thank you for your preserved word. We thank you, Lord, for reading this portion of scripture that pertains to your mandate from heaven. And I pray, heavenly Father, and ask that you will undertake for us now as we look into your word Open our hearts. For some hearts that are closed, we ask you to open them. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will do a mighty work in hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pick up the progression leading to the crucifixion. In Luke 23, 13-17... It reads, Pilate, the provincial governor of Judea, called together the chief priest and the rulers and the people. And he said to them, you brought this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in the presence, in your presence, and have found no basis for the charges against him. Neither has Herod Antipas, who ruled the region of Galilee under the Romans. For he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Now, in Luke 23, 22, in that same portion of Scripture, tells us that three times Pilate appealed to the Jews and said, that I have found no grounds for the death penalty. This man is innocent." Civil crime of insurrection and treason, not guilty. Religious crime, not guilty. He is the Messiah Savior sent by God. He is the Son of God. He is the King of the Jews. Not guilty. Truth does cost, but it has its rewards. Jesus was executed by the schemes and acts of evil men woven in God's providence. Pilate, being afraid that he has to answer to the Roman emperor, grants the chief priest and the people demands for Jesus to be crucified. He caved. Jews have no authority under Roman rule to execute anyone. So Pilate hands Jesus over to his soldiers, where they flogged him and made him carry his cross to the place named the skull. In Aramaic, it's Golgotha. In Latin, it's Calvary for his execution. Golgotha is a noticeable high area. It was the busiest intersection of the city where crosses were erected. And it sends a message. It's a reserved area, a reserved place, and the most effective way in sending the message to discourage crime under Roman rule. It was common for the criminal to carry their own crosses from the Hall of Judgment to the place of execution, which was about a mile procession in Jesus' case, one about a mile, he had the, that beam on his back. Giving a sound warning along the way as he made that possession to those who opposed Roman civil authority. Which was not the case when it comes to Jesus. He was not guilty. Now to be crucified is one of the most shameful and painful suffering of all punishments. Crucifixion comprised of a slow, painful death with the hands and feet nailed to a wooden beam leaving the body in an unnatural position causing the person's bones to slip out of its joints. Which brings enormous stress on the heart resulting in failing strength and raging thirst. The Lord Jesus' strength evaporates Walking for a mile, fetching that wooden plank and the severe scourging from the Roman whip with metal and bones at the very tip that ripped his flesh to the bones with every dragon whip they pulled on him. And in order to speed up the execution in preparation for the Passover celebration, a passerby, Simeon of Cyrene, was forced to carry the Lord's cross. Now, verse 18 tells us that Jesus was crucified between two criminals fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Numbering him with the transgressors, the suffering servant poured out his life onto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus identified with sinners by hanging Between two thieves, one penitent sinner who shows remorse and the other impenitent sinner who showed no regret for his sins. This brief interaction that we we, we saw here tells us something. It gives us a portrayal of how humanity is divided when it comes to Jesus. It speaks to each person today to decide which side of the cross you wish to die. On the penitent side or the impenitent side. Because that decision will come in with a with a consequence in life in the future. It has consequence. Now in verse 19, Pilate made a sign with a calculated inscription. He thought about this, what he did. To be placed on Jesus' cross or around his neck that reads, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, written in languages that was common throughout the empire. A language that was communicated throughout that people could understand and talk about it. Now the Jews protested That is a national insult for this dying man hanging on the cross to be considered their king. It is totally unaccepted to do that, Pilate. Especially when the sign was noticeable for all who were passing by to read the sign, King of the Jews. There were thousands of pilgrims passing for the Passover celebration who would stop at the scene to have a look and to have their say of what happened to the one they heard so much about and his claims with the sign reading King of the Jews. Now this was not easy for the religious Jews to swallow for someone coming from Galilee in Nazareth was considered people of a lower class to be a king for anyone, much less so for the high-ranking religious Jews. It's not going well for them. And the Jews expect Pilate to yield to their request, as he had done in the past to their demands. But Pilate responded, what I have written, I have written. This man said, I am the king of the Jews. So I wrote that. Pilate held on to what Jesus said in chapter 18, verse 26. My kingdom is not of this world, but now my kingdom is from another place. With all the rejection that's happening here to Jesus, the rejection would would not stop heaven interrelated mandate that's going on here. It wouldn't stop it. Pilate had enough of the Jewish religious leaders, especially when he knows that Jesus was innocent. He had enough of them. Conformed even by a dream his wife had. Have nothing to do with this innocent man. I was troubled a lot today. I was restless today with what's going on. I had a dream, Pilate. And he sent that message to her husband. It's amazing to see God's providence throughout the progression of prophecies fulfilled as each step unfolds. In verse 23 to 24 when the soldiers had crucified Jesus they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier also his tunic. The tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, "Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be." This was to fulfill the scripture of Psalm 22:18. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This scene draws my attention to something here. It draws my attention to people today in the world dividing Jesus to make him fit who they want him to be. Rather than taking him for who he is and what he claimed to be. Some shorten his claims to suit themselves how they want to see him. People find false comfort and false spiritual security in making Jesus who they want him to be. And the warning today is that don't gamble your soul by dividing him who you want him to be. The scripture is very clear who Jesus is, what he says, and what he does. You can't divide him up. You take him as a whole or you don't take him at all. And verse 25 reads, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his sister, mother's sister, Mary, and the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. Now it was here at the foot of the cross that Simon's prophecy to Mary was finding fulfillment. In Luke 25, 235, he says. And a sword will pierce your own soul, Mary. And when Jesus, the scripture says, that when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus, as a son, more so as the eldest son, took care of his mother's well being. He was faithful to his responsibility as a son hanging on the cross. What an honor for John to take his Lord's place. Jesus did not entrust his widowed mother to the care of his own brothers. Maybe Jesus' brothers did not yet believe in him at that time. For John 7, 5 says, For not even his brothers, Jude and James, I include that, believed in him, but came to believe after his resurrection. So Jesus making sure he's doing something with the family of God. And Jesus assured his mother of his love. He gave his choices disciple in his inner circle the one who rested on his bosom, who stayed with him at the foot of the cross to be her adopted son and to take care for her because Joseph had passed away. It's a beautiful picture here with a, with a, with a son and a mother. Now As Jesus was going through the great work of redemption on the cross, with agony and pain, he was faithful to his responsibility as a son. We live in a fast-paced culture, very costly culture as well. But it's a good reminder for children to consider what's best for their aging parents after all they have done for them. Not neglecting the fact that not all children gets the best of their parents either. I have seen a clip of aging parents in an orphanage saying, and the two parents were saying this. I am not complaining, but why it has to be like this. When their children abandon them to an orphanage. It is an honor not, forget, not to forget your aging parents, especially when they made sacrifices for you. In verse 28, again the progression of the scenes keep unfolding the prophecies. After this, Jesus, knowing all that has been done, fulfilled his thirst, prophesied in Psalm 22, 15, my mouth is dried up like a potchard, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Most likely is the wine the Roman soldiers consumed as they wait for those crucified to die. It was not the same beverage the Lord earlier refused. The wine he refused in Matthew 24, 34 and Mark 15, 23 contained gall. Intending to help the deaden the pain so that the person would not struggle as much while being nailed in a suffering position on his cross. Jesus rejected that wine offered. The Lord Jesus, fully in control, as he obeyed his father's will, refused wine with gall because he wanted to drink the full cup of the father's wrath in its fullest way of his senses could experience it. He want to experience it. And the prophecies keep unfolding to his depth, proves he is the Messiah sent from God to be the savior of the world. In Mark's gospel, chapter 15, 33 to 37, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. From the time they hoisted the cross in the air and slammed it in the ground to the time he gave up his life Jesus was bearing all the insults, all the mocking, and has been challenged from his enemies, led by the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They were challenging him, even then, while he was on the cross. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah. The chosen one. Come down. Prove it man. You are going to destroy the temple. And build it in three days. We got you. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you are the son of God. They keep heaping these insults at him. In the same way the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Shame on you. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Come on, man, do it. Prove yourself. My, my imagination tells me something. My imagination tells me that if Jesus had come down, they would have said to him, go up back, then we'll believe. They experienced the effects of his words before when approximately 600 of them drew back and fell down when he said, I am. Jesus had the power to come down if he wants to, but choose to stay on the cross to save sinners like us. Jesus would not bow down to their demand to prove anything know who he was, he knows where he came from, and he knows where he's going. In weakness, he handled the situation as he handled their father, the devil. Hungry after 40 days of fasting, was tempted, but did not bow down to prove anything to Satan. And in verse 30, as he bowed his head and gave up his spirit fulfilled what he said in John 10:18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and have the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Jesus know, knows what he believes. He knows what his father sent him on. He knows everything. And allow them to make a fool of themselves. With their mockery and insults and challenge. church, Jesus did not die as a victim to his oppressors. Rather he remains in charge of his life until the end. They insulted and made mockery of him to come down and save yourself if you are who you claim to be. Jesus did not come down, but even while he was on the cross he saved Dependent sinner. That one man who had remorse, he was on the cross and he saved him while he was on the cross. Jesus stayed on the cross and voluntarily chose to surrender his life by a conscious act of his own sovereign will. He received the drink and spoke, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, here where this comes into play now. Prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, a complicated system of sacrifices had been followed for the atonement of sins. Because sin separates people from God, animal blood was substituted to make atonement for the people of Israel to be forgiven and to come clean before the holy God. But the problem is that people continue to sin. That is our innate nature. That's in our DNA. We are sinners. Therefore... Frequent sacrifices were required every day for different situations to keep in line with God for all the requirements needed. Can you imagine that bloody place every day? Blood, blood, blood from all the required offerings to stay in good favor with a holy God? That's what it took. Blood all the time. Because why? Blood is life. Jesus having gone to the cross became the final ultimate sacrifice required for sin and for fellowship offering. Final. He is the ultimate Passover lamb of God. The stone the builders rejected with their insults and their mockery and their challenges became the capstone of the Passover celebration that was in progress. And it was necessary for him to take the sour wine when his tongue was sticking to the roof of his palate with a sponge to moisten his parched mouth in order to make one great final statement so that all could hear what he had to say in the end. What is it? It is finished. It is finished. The sign was ironic that pilot made a king stripped naked only to have his undergarment and executed in public view had obviously appeared to lose his kingdom forever. But his execution was the beginning of him coming into his kingdom. When he struck the death blow to the Satan's rule and established his eternal authority forever. The word finished... It is the same as paid for in full. The word finished. It means sin penalty has been paid for in full. It means God's wrath against a sinner has been accounted for. It means forgiveness is available. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means death has no sting for the one washed in his blood. It means that every believer has been given a new nature to override the old sinful nature. You have the resources. I have the resources to say no to the sinful lifestyle. Those areas that brought pleasure no more rule you. You are not a slave to sin anymore, but a slave to righteousness. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Take your stand, man. Take your stand. For the Lord. It means you will have a glorified physical body, fit to live in the millennium and throughout in eternity in an eternal home for those who put their trust and faith in Jesus. No more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Isaiah puts puts it this way in Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will be remembered, will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Wow. That's where we're heading, man. For those who put their trust in Christ. What more do we want to hear? What more promises do we need to know? What more prophecies do we need to see fulfilled? And with that comes this. Jesus' death has consequence both sides of the cross. Jesus' death has consequence, consequence both sides of the cross. Eternal life for those who repent and eternal damnation for those not forgiven. The question The cross keeps putting forward to us is which side of the cross are you on? Which side of the cross are you on? The penitent that saw the light besides Jesus or the impenitent who remained in darkness? Which side are you on? Have you seen the light or are you in darkness still? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. All our good works are like filthy rags. There is still room at the cross for everyone on both sides of Jesus. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How? By faith. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists And that he he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'll say that again. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. To be forgiven of the tenses of their sins. Past, present, and future. That's what the cross did. people will go to hell not for rejecting Jesus. They will go to hell because they are sinners and they fall short of the glory of God. Now Jesus now has done everything the mission the Father sent him on said, it is finished. Sin price has been paid for in full. Now, there is no condemnation, no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.